Hello, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the show, we have an episode releasing every Monday on CharismaPodcastNetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, anywhere the podcasts are listened to. You could also go to CharismaMag.com or .org. And then um, I got a lot of artic- you know, different articles that release on there. You could also go to our website, www.LifePouredOutintl.org to find out more about our ministry. But our passion is to see believers awakened to the glory of God, His nature, Jesus Christ, all that he's accomplished, his finished work, who we are now, our identity as believers because of what Christ has done and how we walk that out in the earth today. And so I've got a great guest on the show. I'm going to introduce him now. We're going to hop right in. Um, His name is David Holland. He is a writer, a teacher, speaker, husband, father, and grandfather, and he's carrying a call to help God's people better comprehend God's extraordinary goodness and extravagant grace. He's a founding pastor and teacher of the Cup and Table Company, a network of house churches based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area wherein new covenant truths are proclaimed and the implications of Jesus' finished work are celebrated and lived out. I love that description so much. Um, and so his writings and teachings are available on davidaholland.com. And so thank you so much, David, for joining me today on the show. Man, thank you for the opportunity. I'm so grateful. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I know I shared, you know, about yourself and about your ministry, but I just love that you are overseeing house churches in the DFW area. Tell us a little bit about that and any anything else you'd like to share about your ministry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The house church thing emerged over, oh, several years ago when my wife and I had participated in very large churches for most of our adult life. We met in a mega church, were married, all our kids were born in such. I was on staff of one up in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we moved to Dallas, Fort Worth 22 years ago and, and joined what we thought was a small startup church at the time. And it grew to be about, you know, 40,000 people over the next few years. <laughs> wow. Uh, so um, we had just been in in large churches all of our lives, our married lives, and and we didn't think there was anything wrong with that. We weren't mad at anybody. We didn't think anybody was doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. We just felt a what I call a divine discontent mm-hmm. in our hearts uh, and a hunger for something that was a little more intimate, mm-hmm. a little less... Um, spectatory, uh, more participatory. And so um, looked around and couldn't find exactly what I was sensing we were needing. And so you just, if you can't find it, you start it, right? (laughs) So (laughs) we started a a little house church and it has been, uh, and then it's grown into, to to multiply into others, Mm -hmm. but it's become everything I'd hoped it would be Michael uh, of of just communities of people doing life together. Yeah. I know that's a little mm-hmm. bit of a cliche, right? But mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. Where we walk with each other through the highs and lows of life, support one another, encourage one another. Uh, we uh, there's there's space in our gatherings for everybody's gift to be uh, given expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have to coax it out of people who sure. have been in a spectator mode their entire Christian lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's space for that. It's safe mm-hmm. for that. It's just been a wonderful thing. And because in a house church, overhead costs are 
almost non-existent. I don't take a salary. There are no salaries. There are very little overhead costs. So what that means is that we can then give together and uh, and then decide where we want to focus our giving, whether it's on certain missions and missionaries. We've got a heart for the nations. So a lot of our giving is associated with missions. We've also got a lot of benevolence giving that we do where we just nominate somebody that we came across who could just needs to be blessed. Yeah. And we all just say, okay, let's bless that person. Mm, so yes. it's a it's a very flat, very non-hierarchical, intimate expression of of mm. the Greek word ecclesia. Yeah. And like I say, I don't think anybody else is doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not mad at anybody, but we love we love what God's doing at the Cup and Table Company. Yeah, that's really good. There's something so glorious about just meeting together in that family setting in somebody's home, worship, the teaching of the word, gifts of the spirit can operate. We could be in each other's lives. We could see more clearly if someone's struggling. There's more openness because there's less people in the room than a couple thousand people maybe on a microphone being vulnerable about your life. There's just something so special about that. You see it in Acts, breaking bread together, fellowship, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, prayer, coming together in unison, you know, in unison that way, sharing the gospel. And so anyways, Absolutely. when I when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's so interesting. I love that. I love that so much. And so that's awesome. It's, it's been very sweet. <laughs> and I know that you also, um, I know that you're also a writer and you've released several books. Today, we're going to be talking about one you've just released calling Praying Grace for Men, 55 Meditations and Declarations for Every Son of God, which is more of a devotional. Um, but tell us about your desire, like your your passion behind writing and maybe some other books that you wrote that have already released. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, w- part of my journey in, uh, into my vocation co- led me into writing. I, I knew I had a writing gift and was originally in Christian media, wrote a lot, Christian radio, mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately ended up writing and collaborating as a ghost writer for a lot of ministers, pastors, and, uh, yeah. and preachers. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, turning uh, sermon series into books and, and, and collaborating with other people on their books for about 25 or 30 years and had had 36 published books out there that had someone else's name on them, uh, that it was my privilege and, uh, delight to participate in the, the creation of those books. But I always had a hunger to, I knew I had some things to say as well Mm -hmm. and always knew that at some point God was going to give me the opportunity to, to express on in books what's in my heart, not yeah. faithfully express what was in someone else's heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few years ago, a couple of opportunities popped up. Uh, I wrote a book about Paul Harvey and his life right after, you know, I don't know. It, you have to be of a certain age to know the name Paul mm-hmm. Harvey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, most people under 50, uh, that name doesn't really uh, ring a bell for them, but everyone over 50 knows who Paul Harvey was, a legendary radio news guy who had a, a radio thing called The Rest of the Story. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wrote a, and he was a believer, wrote a book about his faith journey in life, and it had my name on it. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time, after writing 30 books for other people with other people's names on them, finally, there was a book out there with my name on it. Mm-hmm. Got to do that a few times. And then there was a kind of a long pause. And then a few years ago, I got an opportunity uh, to write a book called Praying Grace. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a, one of those God opportunities. Uh, TBN and Matt Crouch were a client uh, of mine. And Matt Crouch just expressed a desire. He, he said one day in a phone call, he said, 
I wish I had a resource I could point people to that taught them how to pray from victory rather than pray for victory. That's good. Yep. I wish I had a resource that I could point people to that led people step-by-step into praying from the finished work of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, I'm your guy. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I wrote praying grace about four years ago and uh, TBN offered it to their audience still does to this day. As a matter of fact, from time to time, I uh, see somebody who uh, says, Hey, I saw you on TBN last night. You're still talking about that book. (laughs) And, uh, but the the praying grace did very, very well. God breathed on it clearly. Mm. Uh, And uh, there are more than 200,000 copies in print now Mm. and uh, still uh, selling well. But that book was born of a couple of things. And this new one is as well. Mm-hmm. And th- this new one, Praying Grace for Men, is essentially a sequel mm-hmm. to the original Praying Grace. First of all, m- uh, most believers don't know or haven't been taught how to pray um, from a position of confidence that comes from understanding grace. That's right. Mm-hmm. Once you understand your grace, that you're not coming to God in your own merits, you're not yeah. coming in your own qualifications, that you're coming wrapped in Christ's righteousness. That's right. You're coming in Him, mm-hmm. and so that you're as received and as qualified in, for God's promises in God's presence as Jesus Himself is. That's right. Come on. Regardless of whether you had a good day yesterday, performance or behavior-wise or not. Mm-hmm. That's what grace is. We come in Christ and in his righteousness. Well, that understanding, renewing your mind to that understanding is a game changer where your prayer life is concerned. Mm-hmm. Because often we come on our on, to God on our bellies with no confidence yeah. before him because mm-hmm. we think we're coming in. We, we know what we've been up to. Sure. We know what we've thought. We know what we've done. So we slink into God's presence with zero confidence that we qualify for any blessing, for any answered prayer, mm-hmm. and uh, and just hoping that somehow, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come away with something. Well, of course, rarely, we rarely do. Mm-hmm. In 1 John um, chapter 3 and 4, uh, John says, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That's right. And we know that we've received the things that we've asked of him. Mm-hmm. In James, uh, first chapter of James, he says, you know, ask God for wisdom and ask him in faith, because if you're, if you're wishy-washy or, or uh, wavery yeah. in your mm-hmm. position before God, you really shouldn't anticipate receiving anything from mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. So there's this principle of heart confidence that both praying grace and praying grace for men leads you through a mind renewal process of renewing your mind to that reality Mm -hmm. that you qualify. The second thing that both of these books have done, and there's also a praying grace for women as well Mm -hmm. that uh, launched in April, is that there's a type of praying that's about declaring and decreeing, not requesting. Yeah. Now, now there's a place in prayer for requesting. There's no question about it, about asking God. God said, or Paul said, let your request be made known Mm -hmm. unto God with thanksgiving. So there's, I'm not putting down the the fact that we're asking the the asking type of praying, but there are many types of prayer. That's right. Uh, Paul also encourages us to pray with all kinds of prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, one of those kinds is the prayer of decree or the prayer of declaration, Mm -hmm. where you get a rhema word in your heart of what God has said and what he's promised and what he wants, Mm -hmm. the outcome that he wants. And then we put a, a faith fueled decree in our mouths that decrees that thing that we know that we've heard from the Lord that 
that he wants in that outcome. And that's a kind of praying very few believers have been taught or trained in. Mm -hmm. So both uh, all of these books also create for each devotion, there's a declaratory prayer at the end that leads you and trains you and models this kind of praying. Mm -hmm. So uh, th- those th- those things are the origin of of, uh, of these books, and as I said, God's really breathed on them, and I can't tell you how many people I've heard from that have just said that the original praying grace, or since then praying grace for women, uh, has absolutely revol- revolutionized uh, the way they pray and the results they see when they pray. Oh, a hundred percent. The Word of God says in Hebrews, it says that apart from faith. We cannot please God. And so it's that place of trust and faith that really brings pleasure to the heart of God. And I'm grateful. I grew up in a Word of Faith church. I'm not ascribing to everything that the Word of Faith teaches, but I'm so grateful uh, uh, for the um, value and focus on the Word of God, believing the Word, speaking the Word, praying the word, singing the word, walking in the word. It just gave me such a love for the word of God. And we know the word is the foundation for our lives. The very words of Christ are the foundation that we need to build on so that the storms of life, when they hit up against our lives and our home, that we it will not crumble. We will not be shaken. And so, um, and the earth may pass away, but the word of God will never fail. And oftentimes the Lord will give you scriptures in seasons. Um, he'll highlight certain passages of scripture, promise scripture, or we'll get just identity scriptures in the inside of us, you know, knowing our righteousness, knowing what Christ has done, that we're dead to sin, that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus, that, you know, all these different scriptures that really highlight who we are and what he desires for our lives, what we're to walk in as believers. And if we're to memorize that, if we're to, if we're really, to, if we're to hide these beautiful, you know, the, uh, it says in Psalm 119 to hide the word of God on the inside of us. And that's how we keep our way pure as believers. And so there's just something so powerful, like you're talking about of decree and declaration of his word. You're saying a rhema word. God puts something in your heart that is revelatory for that season. Oftentimes there's a scriptural truth attached to it, right? Because we, we want, and then, and then we declare that and then we see it take place. God wants to partner with us in that way. And so that's, that's why this devotional is so powerful. I believe that. So good, Michael. I, you know, in, as this revelation was becoming more crystallized for me, I did a study of just went through all of the Gospels in the book of Acts and looked at every time somebody prayed that a miracle happened. Mm. Now, in the Gospels, most of the time, that's Jesus. Uh, but every single time you see a breakthrough of from heaven to earth of miracle transformative something, mm-hmm. You, you you look at every single time Jesus did it. He didn't say, God, please raise this dead girl up. Sure. Mm-hmm. He spoke a decree. He said, Talitha kum, little daughter, rise. Eyes, see. Mm-hmm. Take up your bread. Every time Jesus basically brought miracle breakthrough into someone's life, he was mm. speaking a declaration. Yeah. Not, not pleading with the father. Yeah, that's good. And, and the, but then I thought, okay, well, maybe that's just because he was Jesus. Maybe that doesn't apply to us. So I went through the book of Acts and in the book of Acts, you see the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. When uh, uh, Peter and, and John encountered the lame man at the gates uh, of the temple, uh, they didn't say, dear God, please, please heal this man. They said, 
silver, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk. He gave a decree, gave a command. Paul did the same thing. So you, that's the pattern of scripture of when you see and need miracle breakthrough, you get a word from God, you get a sense of what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. And then you partner with him yes. by speaking into the world uh, and into the material world, what God has said. That's right. You, mm-hmm. you become his mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, that understanding. When you begin to shift people from having their prayer, prayer life be exclusively about pleading with God, uh, in the original praying grace, I talked about the myth of the yes button mm-hmm. as if God, we see God's throne as a big green button on the arm that says yes on it. And we're hoping that some way we can get him to press that button. Yeah. And we're not, we're hoping that we've done enough or we've earned enough or we've qualified enough, or we're saying the right kind of prayer that we can somehow just get him to press that crazy button please mm-hmm. and, and whatever we got to do yeah. to make that happen mm-hmm. but the but but the the story of the new covenant is that Jesus's throne had a big yes button on it and he sat down on it that's right mm. Jesus sat down on Come the on. yes button Come which on. is why it says all of God's in Christ all of God's promises are yes and through Christ and in Christ we give the amen that's right so um that's uh very much at, at the root of what this book's about now this men's book is unique in one other aspect, in one other respect, Michael. And that's, I discovered that uh, I believe that most of us guys have been presented what is essentially a feminine model of prayer. Mm. And that there is a masculine model of prayer, a type of praying and having, not only praying, but having relationship and friendship with mm. God mm-hmm. That is that is much more feels much more organic to the way God wired us guys. Mm-hmm. Here's how that, that revelation came one day. I was in a marriage conference, been to many of those over, over the years, and it's uh, it's always worthwhile to be in some kind of marriage enrichment thing. And, and most of those contain a section in which it describes the basic differences between men and women, uh, that men and women have differing needs and slightly different wiring, uh, I know a lot of people are confused about that these days, yeah. but it's, it's the truth. Uh, we That's guys right. are, are a different, different animal with different wiring. And anyone who's married to a man will, will tell you that. <laughs> um, but, uh, so in, in this marriage seminar, the, the speaker was describing the differences and, it, and I'd heard them all before. I've read his needs, her needs. I'd read Venus and Mars. Uh, and I thought I'd heard it all. And this speaker brought forth something that I had never heard before. And it just, floored me. He basically said men and women create and culture and nurture friendship differently. Mm-hmm. Of course, all generalizations aren't specifically true for every human on the planet, but they're generally true. And he said, generally women establish and culture and nurture friendship by talking together. Mm-hmm. And he said, men establish and culture and nurture friendship by doing things mm-hmm. together. So I thought about that for a second and it, and the more I thought about it, the more it rang true to my own personal experience and my own personal observation in life. I really didn't hear anything the guy said for the next 30 minutes because it took my mind off in a direction because then I began to, to, to process what we've been presented as the model for 
friendship with God. Because we're all told we can be a friend, we can have a relationship with God, that we can have a close, intimate relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my wife has schedules coffees and, and teas and lunches with her friends, and she's on the phone with her friends all the time because she's nurturing and maintaining those friendships through talking together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pick up the phone and actually talk on the phone an absolute bare minimum amount of seconds per, <laughs> per week. I just, you know, uh, and my friends and I, we don't talk a lot, but occasionally we'll go do something together. We'll go yeah. play golf. We'll go finish fishing. We'll get under the hood of the car. Yeah. I've got, I'm going to make a home Depot run. Well, you want to go to home Depot with me? Yeah, absolutely. And talking happens as a byproduct of the doing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're silent the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We end up talking, but the talking is organic outgrowth of the doing. Mm-hmm. So what have we been presented as guys as a way to be friends with God? Well, we're supposed to talk. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to set aside some time and sit down and talk to him. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but um, and share our feelings mm-hmm. and be intimate uh, with him uh, in a conversational kind of way. And then we wonder why so many of us guys struggle with intimacy with God, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. what I present in Praying Grace for Men is a, 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 a different way to approach it. It still requires time. Both men and women set aside time for their friendships, right? The doing together requires time. So you set aside time with God, and then you come to your Heavenly Father and you say, Dad, Father, what do you want to do today? I've set aside some time to be with you. What do you want to do? And what I discovered, the moment I did that, all I discovered was this tremendous hookup in the uh, in the spirit of God saying, yes, thanks for making yourself available. Let's do some stuff together. And sometimes that doing together was fighting. Uh, spiritually, spiritual warfare, fighting for my family, Mm -hmm. fighting for my community, fighting for my nation. Sometimes by the spirit, he'd take me to some other part of the world and we'd do battle for girls who were going to be in danger of being trafficked Mm -hmm. or uh, for some missionary who's experiencing persecution in some other part of the world. If you yield yourself to God and by his spirit, he will engage you in doing stuff with God. And it's just a subtle shift of perspective, Michael, to say suddenly, okay, God, I'm going to make time for you because I want to be your friend. I want and, and I want intimacy with you. So I'm going to set aside time to do things together, completely change that whole drudgery of a quiet time. Yeah. Completely. It immediately disappeared and it became an adventure. Okay, God, what kind of adventures are we going to have today? And the adventure didn't stop in the prayer closet. That's right. The adventure continued as I walked out of the prayer closet and walked into my day, and God became a partner with me by His Spirit into everything we wanted to do together Mm -hmm. that day. What a difference that makes, Michael. Well, that's that's just obliterating the the deception of a separation with the sacred and the secular. That if something is seemingly spiritual, it looks spiritual, therefore— that must be the way God operates. That must be what God blesses, like going to church, going to a conference, going to a prayer house, having that time set apart for the Lord in your closet, in your room or whatever. I'm not, those things are valuable and those things are glorious. And I take part in all of those things, but 
the beautiful thing about the finished work of Christ, like you're talking about in the in the revelation of who Jesus is and what he accomplished through his incarnation, his death, his burial, resurrection, and ascension, the glory of the gospel, is that we have 24-7 access to God by the Spirit, regardless of what we're doing, regardless of where we're at. That's why, hey, maybe going hunting for the weekend or maybe just in your truck going from point A to point B as you're on your way to work, that truck should be it can be a very sanctuary for God where you worship, where you pray in the spirit, where you pray for your family, your friends, where you partner with the Lord. He'll give you downloads. You'll get revelation even as you're driving to work or, you know, when you're gathering with your family, spending time with your children. If you're, if your mind and your heart, your attention is connected with God and friendship, you could be spending time with your kids, your wife, you know, helping your friends move that day. All the normal, natural things that we have to take part in life. The beautiful thing is that he broke down the wall that separated us from God. And now we have divine union, not by our works, but by the works of Christ. And now we stand in that place. And so now we are a walking, talking house of prayer. We are the church. We can have that. At the, for me, one of the most glorious things about uh, about the finished work is the access that we have, the confident, and you were used that word confident before. The, yes. the word of God says in Ephesians 3.12 that we have confident access to God through Christ. And so, amen. I love that because, you know, my brother-in-law just went on a journey in his truck. He's got a Jeep and he drove it all the way up to Moab in Utah and he just was out in the wild with God. You know, like, you know, we don't need to be sitting in an isolated room to connect with our father. We can go on adventures with God, which actually is a section of your book. Um, talking about grace for adventures with God. And so right. I, I just love that he he doesn't separate, doesn't turn aside, doesn't deem certain areas of our life more holy than others. He wants to be involved intimately, intricately in every area of our lives. And he'll speak through a TV show. He'll speak through a person. He'll speak through the clouds. He'll speak. God speaks through everything because he fills all in all. And so anyway, I don't want to keep rambling, but I just love the reality of the breaking that divide of the sacred and the secular and walking with him intimately. Absolutely. Amen. Amen to that. And, and as we prayed together before we, we began this episode, you know, you, you prayed that we, that God, that we want to partner with you. And that's, that is so at the heart of this revelation mm-hmm. is that, you know, when God placed the first man and the first woman in the garden, his original plan before the fall was to partner with them in doing things in the earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have, he, he didn't need a man and a woman, but he chose to have one to partner with him and be his image bearers. And now that we've been restored by what Jesus did on the cross and through his victory, mm-hmm. we're back. That's we're right. back into that position of being able to partner with God and be his, uh, his hands and feet and voice in the earth. And that is an adventure. It's a really, really great way to live. (laughs) Yeah, we're no longer in the first Adam, but we're in the last Adam, Jesus Christ. We get to be partakers of his divine life, partakers of his victory. It's now his fruit that springs out of our lives as we abide in that place of love and, and fellowship with him. And so... Tell us a little bit. I know. So you have. So your book. Your your book is broken up into four parts. Right. Um, it talks about courage. It talks about adventures with God. You go into grace for breakthrough. You go into grace for rest. Um, I just want to hear a little bit about that. Why did you feel that these four areas are so essential when you're writing a devotional on grace for men? 
Yeah, I did want to tailor these sections specifically for the kinds of uh, challenges men face uh, and and the call that we have mm-hmm. uh, upon us as men. And so first and foremost, it was grace for courage, because I believe, Michael, that we're living in times in which we need supernatural courage. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we need that spirit of, of Joshua and Caleb. Mm-hmm. Who says, yeah, there are giants in the land, but it's, you know, the news reports are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can do this because God said, I'm with you. God says, I've gone before you. Mm-hmm. God says, I'm with you. So we can do this. Let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Absolutely. that whole gr- grace for courage piece. And then the grace for, for adventures with God is very much about that whole, uh, friendship and intimacy with God through doing things mm-hmm. with him, that partnering yes. with him. That's what yes. that's all about. And then grace for breakthrough is, is, is I just know so many believers, men and women who just are frustrated at their ability to bring heaven to earth, yes. to see the, see the miraculous, the supernatural happen, uh, in their lives. And so, uh, that's what that's all about using these same tools of understanding the finished work of Christ, understanding the power of partnering with God by decreeing mm-hmm. what he wants done. And then, um, using those tools to bring breakthrough, uh, in people's lives. And then I think maybe the most important section here of all, is the final section in grace for rest. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, such a burden. Uh, and I have such a heart for, to see God's people move into that Sabbath rest mm-hmm. that Hebrew talks, Hebrews talks about. Yes. That's so you know, Hebrews says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, whereas God ceased from his strivings and his labors after seven day, on the seventh day. We too have been offered an opportunity to step into a lifestyle of rest. Yes. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean lethargy. That doesn't mean absence of activity. It means that we've stopped striving and struggling and clawing for some sense mm-hmm. of qualification or favor from God. Yes. That we can live a very active, vigorous adventure field life, uh, that's could be just completely full of forward progress and motion, but it is still a lifestyle of rest. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a rest for our hearts. It's a rest for our souls that we're rested in. And it's about rooting. And that's a big part of what this book is designed to do is root our identities into who we are in him. Mm-hmm. And the, the more rooted we become in that, the more at rest we become uh, in him. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, that, it's a huge, it's a huge mission for me is to help believers get to that place. That's good. Yeah. When it comes to rest, I, I, I remember I got like three prophetic words in one day when I was in Bible school and uh, they were telling, it was like, it was like the word, it was three words in the same day. And it was, you're a warrior, you're passionate. God loves you so much. He loves your zeal, but he wants you to rest. And um, I didn't get it. At the time, I also, there's a lot of striving in my life. I had a revelation of God's love for me, um, but I didn't have the greatest revelation of, um, of that, that his, his pleasure in me. And, um, it wasn't contingent on my performance and the Lord really began to dismantle that in my life at that time. And what I began to realize is that rest isn't so much about inactivity. Yes, there is. Um, days set aside for rest. We need physical rest. We should be sleeping. We should have, you know, a day, even a week where we spend time with the Lord, not get involved in that much work or activities, I believe in the Sabbath in that sense, but also just the spiritual Sabbath of, hey, listen, rest is a posture of the heart. When my heart is rooted 
and anchored in the promises of God, my identity in Christ, all that he is, when I'm fully trusting in him, regardless of what the outcome is in my life, and he's my safe place, and my identity is in that, my heart, there's just a divine peace and a rest, and I could be... It's amazing because you could be in Hawaii laying on the beach, but in total strive mode, hating your life, worried about how you're going to pay the bills. And then you could be busting your back with a shovel, digging a ditch, but in full trust and reliance on God with this internal peace and rest controlling your life. And so anyways, I, I love so good. I love that because as believers, he broke the curse. He broke what came in through Adam, you know, working and toiling by the sweat of our brow. Do we stop working and toiling? No, there's things that get done, but we have total trust in the provision of God, the goodness of God, the anointing of God, the love of God in our lives. And we can't produce anything apart from him anyway that ha- has any eternal worth. And so Anyways, that's so good, and I love that you highlight that in this devotional. How can people um, grab a hold of the devotional, find out more about your ministry, and kind of give us, you know, a little bit of instruction on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you'll find, a, uh, I have a website that's uh, prayinggrace.com, mm-hmm. where you can basically find links to purchase any of the books in the series. Then uh, uh, that's a great place to, as a launching point for uh, purchasing. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of writing. I've got 15, 18 years worth of blogging and writing about life and faith and family at davidaholland.com. And then it's uh, the books available at Amazon and christianbook.com or wherever the best Christian books are sold. Uh, it's available there if you want to search for, search for it. But, um, I'm so just, uh, I, I'm just so eager for people to get, uh, if I could just give everyone in the world a book, every believer in the world a book, I'd just do it mm-hmm. uh, because I'm so eager for people to uh, to get this because it'll help them so much. Come on. That's really good. So thank you so much for spending the time with me today, um, sharing your heart, sharing your ministry, and also sharing the power of this book that's releasing. And so um, thank you for that. It's really a blessing to spend this time with you. Thank you, Michael. So grateful for the opportunity. God bless you. Yeah, I'm going to make sure to put a link here in the description section so everyone can get a hold of these different websites and avenues for you to get a hold of the blogs and his books and everything like that. But for those who are watching and listening, thank you so much. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed, encouraged, strengthened by the gospel of Jesus. Bless you. And I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters, 
becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com and so bless you guys grab a copy of immersed in his glory thank you